At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Stacking the Box. It's been a few weeks. We are back. I am back from vacation. Carm's actually not back, self-fasting that he is. He is on vacation. Ben Heisler, decidedly not on vacation. So uh, we have we have heights for the full hour instead of just the uh, the last half hour as usual. Sir, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. It's good to be back on with you. Did you enjoy your vacation um, I know that obviously there, there's a, a lot of busyness, a lot of uh, newborn action happening at home. Were you able to at least put your feet up, sort of? Because that's that's sort of like this weird intertwined moment of having a newborn while also trying to like mentally reset before the start of the season. That's not an easy thing to do. Well, that's why we drink. No, uh, I I think uh, it was it was a great vacation. I can't ask for any more. I was gone for three weeks. I loved it. It's the best vacation I've ever taken in my life. Um, I uh, I got away, got to the ocean, got to the lake house. Uh, my parents were around pretty much every step of the way. They lived 10 minutes from the lake house. So um, they were very, very generous and instrumental in, in helping to, uh, to, watch, to watch the kiddos here and there and, and, and take some of the load off in that regard. My wife and I could get out to a dinner or two. Um, yeah, man, it was great. It was great. Uh, I drove uh, 13 hours back on Friday. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I had, a, I had mild concern. My car, I never have any issues with, but my wife's car, my wife has had this, this Toyota RAV4 yeah. on ballpark. She's probably had this thing since college, so like 10 to 12 years. And it, don't, it only has like 110,000 miles. It's not, it's not running to the ground. But I drive all the, like halfway across the country to get out to New York. Then I go pick her up at the airport up in up in Syracuse. I come back, and yeah, you know, she's like, "Yeah, the car it's running a little funny." I'm like, "Okay, that's not good." Like, why is that? She's like, "Yeah, I don't know. I, I touched the when I touched the brake, it says uh, you know, the oil light. The oil light comes on. The red oil light." I'm like, "Okay, I'm like why does the red oil light come on? Like this car maybe has." was changed 3,500 miles ago. Like, all right, maybe do for an oil change, but certainly should have oil. Long right. story short, she neglected to inform me before I went halfway across the country. Oh yeah. You know, it leaks oil sometimes. That's what the mechanics said when I brought it in. Like that would have been really helpful information before I drove 13 hours with our daughter overnight. That would have been really great if we broke down in Cleveland. Like, 
so thankfully, put oil on it. But then like, I'm aware of this as I'm home. So I put a bunch of oil in the car before I leave. I'm like, all right, we'll be good. Yeah. I get to like Indiana. So I'm like, I don't know, two thirds away home. I, I get to a rest stop, open it up, check it just to make sure things low on oil. I'm like, this is not a slow leak. This is a huge problem. So now the car's in the shop, hopefully getting fixed. But I, it all's well that ends well. But I was just, if I'm like, if I break down on the way home, that's it. I'm setting this car on fire. But it, it worked out. Why, why is it that? I, I feel like maybe this is a you know longer conversation sort of involving like the, the whole husband-wife relationship. But I feel like we're always criticized very often for neglecting to give valuable information or not checking the calendar yes, when something's about definitely. to come up. I feel like in these types of scenarios, and I get this all the time where a major family important event happens or we know somebody who is dealing with or whatever it could be. And my wife hears about it, but I hear about it like randomly in sort of a meaningless conversation. I go, wait, I didn't know about this. She goes, oh yeah, this this happened. Like I may have told you, it probably happened a couple months ago. I'm like, this would have been useful information for me to know at this time. And I'm also in my head, you know, the, the odds maker sort of thing is always going for me. Um, I'm trying to set the over under on, on how long your wife's car will run relative to a player that was probably drafted around the same time you've had that car. So you said you have for about 10 and a half years. Yeah. Something like that. 10, 11 okay. Years. What will have a longer life? The, the car or Aaron Donald's playing career. Donald's been in the league since 2014. Oh, Aaron Donald, that, that car is, is going the way of the scrap heap in a couple of years. I, I mean, okay. she wants a new car, and I, I hate that thing. So I am more than happy to, to throw it in the junker or just sell it to some poor bastard. The, the, the point being, that car, man, like, it's fine. Like, it's dependable. But I'm like, how, how could you not tell me? And, and listen, what you said is spot on because God knows there have been many, many times in our marriage where I have completely forgot to tell her something. And then she'll be like, you know, why – why did this happen? Why is that? Like, where are the kids today? I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, I meant. And then you look at me like, didn't, it didn't make it on the the shared calendar on our iPhones. It, it did oh, not. I forgot to write it down. Correct. And so I get it, but at the same point, I'm like, you know what? This this could have caused like the car to catch on fire. Like that would have been really really good to know. Like there are things that are forgotten that don't matter, and then there are things that could set the car on fire, and that matters. <laughs> Like, it's very rarely do I get to say to Stephanie, what are you doing? Like, what? she's the most on top of things person you'll ever meet in your life. Like, she has planners and calendars. Yes. I mean, our budget, our financial budget is to the cent. Like, it is, it is insane. And then, of course, I blow it because I buy something I'm not supposed to. But it's crazy. Like, she's so on top of things. I'm like, that's what you forgot? That the car is just hemorrhaging oil as I'm driving 800 miles. <laughs> How how do you forget that? Oh, I don't know. I didn't think it was important. Like, was it important? <laughs> I, 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 I'm like, when's the last time you had the car brought in for a tune-up? I've never done that. <laughs> and I and I, but, and I should say out front, I am not like Joe Car guy by any means. If there's any, like I don't, yeah. I, it, there, I, there's I, a universal I, symbol for for a car leaking oil that one would think <laughs> would then 
relay back to the idea of I should probably get this checked out. I am absolutely not the guy who's like got the hood open in the driveway and is like, oh, I'm going to change out the spark plug. I'm not, I'm not that guy. I openly admit that, but I know the car needs oil. Like that much I know. I know it needs gas to run. So like when that happened, I'm like, you had to know this. But in any event, I digress. Speaking of New York and and uh, and things that were not good, Zach Wilson. So Zach Wilson, in his game on Friday against the Eagles, actually when I was driving back, he jukes a defender on a scramble and goes down, non-contact. I'll be honest, when I saw the play, my initial reaction was, that's not good. He might have very well torn an ACL, right? You see this, unfortunately, happen more often than we'd like to. Then the Jets come out with, what is for them, shockingly, a good bit of fortune, if you'd like to look at it that way, and say, hey, look, it's a bone bruise. It is a torn meniscus, but he's only out two to four weeks. But now, like, as the week has gone on, okay, and he's due to have surgery, to my knowledge, today, yeah. okay, maybe a little later in the afternoon, now it's been more like, well, you know, we're going to wait and see what the damage is when they open up the knee. It's like, shouldn't you know what the damage is? Like, we do have these things called MRIs. Like, there should be imaging of this. He is a professional athlete. Like, how concerned are you that this is going to be more than two to four weeks? I'm concerned. I think especially when a straightforward diagnosis continues to be kind of blowing in the wind, that something's always missing, right? Like, the idea of, like, NFL players – having setbacks with regards to injury timelines is fairly common, but you would know the damage of, of what this is. And the idea of delaying just if it's a swelling issue, like I remember my, when my wife broke her leg, they couldn't operate on it for a couple of weeks. They had to put this uh, like outside cast on, I forget what it was called to help get the swelling down. So in the case of the NFL with Zach Wilson, like I, I guess I don't understand the, the lack of transparency coming from that side if they need to know more than just say, we haven't gotten a full scope of what exactly the injury might might be. And maybe this is another conversation for Durant, but I've never really understood, like if it's a long-term injury, if it's just more than like that upcoming week, why wouldn't more teams just share that information? Again, I get if you're trying to see whether or not a guy's questionable and you're trying to make a team game plan for that week, but if it's several weeks away and it's the preseason, why keep the sort of the reckless speculation going that you and I and everybody else covering the Jets would likely be doing? So I, I think right. there is cause for concern. I don't think it's necessarily something that's going to be season ending, but you would think at least it would make sense to say, here's what the timeline initially was. Now right. there's been some setbacks. Here's what we're looking to try to find out. To me, that just makes it, it makes life easier, honestly, for everybody, including uh, is the players on the team so that they know what the expectations are. Yeah. By the way, I see Lucas S in the chat. It says his father and, and brother ruined the car six years ago because they didn't check the oil. So so good. They they can join the uh, the group with my wife who doesn't believe in oil. Um, but Luke, who so I know also is a hockey fan, a lightning fan to be ex- uh, exact. Look, Heisler, you, you would love hockey where a guy can have his arm severed and it's like, oh, it's an upper body injury. That's all they ever say, like right. upper or lower body. It's like, you're no kidding. His arm got twisted behind his neck. Like, of course it's an upper body injury. Yeah, he's day-to-day. 
Some guy took a high stick directly to the dome. Yep, no, upper body injury, you know, out for the foreseeable. It's like, I know he has an upper body injury. He just lost 18 teeth. Like, how long is he out for? Of course, in hockey, the guy'd be out for like 10 minutes because they'd stitch him up. But it's right. In any event, I am worried about the Zach Wilson injury. I obviously hope it's it's two to four weeks. It seems like the best case scenario. But it is the Jets. And that injury did not look good when it happened. That doesn't mean that. Just because something looks one way, it isn't another way. Certainly that happens. But I I always worry when a team's like, okay, it's this. And then it it kind of gets walked back more and more and more. Yeah. You're like, hey, guys, is it that? Like, what is happening? Like, is it two to four weeks? My thing, too, now, the, the move on, because we actually don't know. And to, to speculate on it beyond that, I think, is kind of crazy. But like, now the question becomes, if it's, if it's really, let's even just say it's a month. Okay, let's say he's out a month. He misses a game or two in the regular season. You're probably not going out and getting another quarterback. Like, it's one to two games. You're not going to go out and, and go nuts. You're probably right. playing Flacco and you're hoping for the best. If, unfortunately, Wilson is out for a lengthy period of time, even if it's not the whole year, maybe it's half the year, maybe he's on the pup list to start the year and he misses six games. I contended on Twitter, if this is serious, they are on line one with the Niners tonight because they need a quarterback. Joe Flacco is not it, okay? They are a, a coaching staff that is from San Francisco. They know Jimmy Garoppolo very, 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 very well. And while he's not great, one would argue he's an upgrade over Zach Wilson, at least in the immediate. Right. Would you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo if Wilson is out six plus weeks, or would you say, nope, we're going to just roll with Joe Flacco and Mike White? I, I think you roll with them because okay. if you're, I, a lot of it is also dependent on where the New York Jets front office and coaching staff believes they are in this rebuilding period, right? I would contend that they're not catching the Buffalo Bills, they're not the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins, like. Right now, this period in Zach Wilson's second year in the league should be, are we going to eventually give this guy the fifth-year um, option and then sign him long-term? Like, your whole goal right now is figuring out whether Zach Wilson's the dude. And the less time he spends on the field, I, the only way I would consider it, honestly, for Durham is if he's out for the season. And then you're like, okay, we have a roster that we believe is good enough to contend for a postseason spot. Let's bring in Garoppolo because we know him. And we know that the 49ers are desperate to get rid of him. Maybe we can find somewhere in the middle draft pick compensation-wise. Maybe we don't even have to give up draft pick this year. Maybe it can be one down the road. Just to try to find some rational common ground. But putting Garoppolo on the field as a result of Wilson only missing a couple weeks, maybe even like the first quarter of the season – doesn't make sense to me because that's the that's the position they need to figure out whether or not they're going to have them long term or not. And the longer he goes without playing, the longer they have to try to figure out whether or not he's the guy. The sooner they can make that decision, the better success they're going to be in long term. So to me, it, it doesn't really add up based on where they are, based on the level of competition within their own division. I, I just don't think the timeline sets up well. So I agree with all that. By the way, in the chat, Swish says the Jets have had the oil light on for 15 years, <laughs> which is hilarious and very true. That car has been on fire for a long time, sir. Um, look, 
Good, good thing there. you have Fireman in the stands to, to try to help. Yes, Fireman Ed, who one of these – I can do a whole podcast about how I feel about Fireman Ed, but that's neither here nor there. Look, I let's put it this way. When they were losing those AFC title games about 15 years ago, nothing was more enjoyable to the New Yorker and me than seeing Fireman Ed just devastated. Nothing more enjoyable. But to that point, I think I agree with everything you said in terms of where they are as a franchise and what this year means for them. Totally agree. There's one thing, though, that I don't even disagree, but I just would add to this that I think would make me consider Garoppolo more. This is New York. This is not some small market where, hey, if we stink again, it's okay, and everybody's cool. They have sucked, for, as Swiss points out, 15 years, okay? And you wonder if you're Saga, if you really like, – let's say Wilson's out for a major amount of time. Hopefully he's not, but if he is. If he is. You're, you're staring down the barrel like 4-13 and 13 with Joe Flacco. But that's happening. Yeah. You're not winning a bunch of games with him or Mike White. So my point becomes, if you're solid, are you sure you're surviving that? Are you sure you're surviving that? I think Douglas probably does. But Woody Johnson is not exactly Art Rooney, okay, or George Hallis here. Like, do you really believe you have the, the confidence of your ownership group that you're not getting fired. Because we always talk about this, and I think rightfully so. Like, well, where is this team? What's best for them long-term? But if you're a coach, can you think that long-term? Do you know you have that long-term ability? And I, So I think if you're the Niners, or excuse me, if you're the Jets, if, if you think Wilson's out for half the season or more, I'm calling the Niners. Because say what you will about Garoppolo, and God knows I've said plenty, he, he's a competent quarterback. You can win games with Jimmy Garoppolo. Sure. You are not winning games with the other guys on that roster right now. You're not. So, and and Garoppolo knows that system. He can walk right in and play it, whereas a lot of a lot of guys would not be able to, of course. So, look, hopefully none of this matters, and Wilson's out two to four weeks, and he comes back, and that's fine, and you go from there. But I think you and I ultimately are of the same opinion. The Jets are not good this year, no matter how this shakes out. Um, but I think that the Niners are looking at this and have to be thinking if Wilson's out long-term, we might be getting a phone call. So here's, here's one other thing to consider. Let's say health wise, with the exception of Zach Wilson and the upgrades that they've made both on the offensive line and on defense and with some of their receivers, all the sort of off season moves leading up to this point, like it's, it's a much more competent roster. You would agree than from a season ago, right? I would. I would. Even if, even if that's the case, what are we talking about for like they're they're projected to win five and a half six wins this right, year right. at most consensus sports books? Even if you think Garoppolo is a two win level replacement player over Zach Wilson, which seven eight wins, seven eight wins. Like if anything, that's me. I, I guess I don't know how that buys you time in the NFL. I, I think mediocrity is almost the worst no. place you can be in, right? Because I, I agree with you, but seven, eight wins for the Jets is like the Super Bowl. They might throw a parade for them. That's that's fair, based on where they've been over the last several years. But then let's say Garoppolo does play well. Now all of a sudden you're faced with a scenario that you didn't want to be in in the first right. place. Right, right. Are you that's really fair. going to lock him in long-term, especially now that he's played well in New York, maybe becomes a fan favorite in the process if they are successful under him? And then you're still dealing with a, a upside quarterback. I guess that's maybe debatable after the first couple of years. 
still trying to figure out what to do with him. Then you move on from him. Do you say like, okay, this Garoppolo thing was a one-year trial and now we believe Wilson's ready? Like, I I just think it presents more problems than rewards for the Jets at this point to bring him in. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Speaking of the Niners, second-year quarterbacks, Trey Lance and the Niners played over the weekend. They they played against the Packers. They won the game. Um, Lance was impressive. Threw a big deep ball touchdown. You know, saw limited action like every starting quarterback does, but he did play, uh, and for what he did, he looked good. I am of the opinion the Niners are the most high-variance team in the NFL this year. I think they could be a Super Bowl team. I think they could win eight games, and it all depends on the quarterback because I love the roster around the quarterback. I, you yeah. know, look, the secondary scares me a little, um, but their front seven is so good, and they're so well-coached, and offensively they've got weapons. A, do you think they're the most high-powering team in the league? B, where are you on Trey Lance as we are now three weeks or so from the start of the regular season? They're probably there for me. I think the other two teams maybe to consider uh, in that mix for for teams that could go really kind of either way. Um, You know, I I think Denver – is in that conversation as well, because we just, we're still not sure of of what Russell Wilson is going to look like in this new offense. Um, It's in theory, it should, should set up success for him. But again, you could also make the argument that he's losing wide receiver balance without having Lockett and Metcalf anymore. Um, If there's another team maybe worth considering in that mix, I suppose you could consider new Orleans, you know, is this going to be an eight win team, nine win team with a sort of a very, podunk offense or is everybody going to rise up to the occasion match the level of their defense and, and possibly contend with the bucks at the top of the division so I, I think those are probably the three teams from a variance level but as for whether or not i buy in on trey lance i i do i i get the vision that shanahan had with somebody who is extremely accurate um that was you know he, i don't think he threw an interception in his final season of college correct like 27 touchdowns, no picks. Right, it was zero one. Zero or one. Very accurate quarterback. Uh, terrific athleticism. Ability to move, um, throw on the run. Like everything about Shanahan's offense is predicated on strong running game, ton of play action, good balance. The the Niners still have, I believe, a top 10, top 12 offensive line based on Pro Football Focus's ratings heading into this year. And he had plenty of time to learn and kind of sit back and get a little taste, had a couple games last year. And we've also seen the year one to year two jump for so many young guys is palpable. Like it's, you've seen it with Mahomes. You saw it with Lamar Jackson, both of them winning MVP seasons. I think you're going to see a very similar jump, not an MVP level jump out of Trevor Lawrence this year, just having competent coaching. Well, Lance is at competent coaching for a full season now. And the, the skill set plays to take a Shanahan offense where he was doing it with non-mobile guys for a long time and Garoppolo and Matt Ryan during the Super Bowl year and, and take it to another level. I, I just think he's set up for success. Now, there's still going to be some raw moments. I agree with you there. Like, there's probably going to be some stinkers along the way, but yeah, I, I'm buying in his ability. And early in the offseason, too, Verter, I'm like, that was one of those dudes that went from like 60 to 1 to MVP odds nearly went up to as high as 30 to one. It's kind of settled in the market a little bit now, but there's I mean, reason for belief in Lance, even in a tough division. 
So I like Lance a lot. I think he's talented. Um, I'm very curious to see how this shakes out this year because it's a good division. It's a tough schedule. It's a very tough schedule. Um, but I think he fits perfectly what they want to do. He does give them that mobility. And he is a guy with a strong arm. And he is somebody who really is everything Garoppolo is not. Now, the, the question is going to be experience for me. Like, this is a kid who has not played a lot of ball the last two years. Played one game in North Dakota State. They were shut it, shut it down because of COVID. He played very sparingly last year. So what does that look like? I mean, that that's a lot of rust to knock off and be trying to assimilate. And look, and this may help him or hurt him. Everybody's different. There's a lot of pressure on him. Like th- this team, you know, most of the times you come to a team like this, like, you, you know, the team's not good. You're the third overall pick. You got plenty of time to kind of get off the ground and nobody's really expecting much. They are expected to be a Super Bowl contender. Like, he's got to be good now. He's got to be able to play now. And if they have some clunker of a game where it's those four picks, he's going to hear it in a way that other guys don't early on in their careers when they're high picks. I think he's going to be good. I guess I guess I don't know if I agree because I think the 49ers kind of recognized what their ceiling was with Garoppolo, which was we can only I, get so far. We can get I to agree. a Super Bowl probably lose. We can get to an NFC championship game sort of on the backbone of our defense and then lose. I I think the fan base in San Francisco, and again, certainly not everybody, there's plenty of people that are like, well, what if Garoppolo could at least give us a chance? I don't know why I gave him all like this weird, you know, Chicago sports talk radio color accent. I think that's just where I go to for, you know, inspiration. But I, I think the fan base is, they want to see more. They, they want to say, give this guy a chance because the upside is winning a ring. And they know a thing or two about winning rings in San Francisco with some of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, go for great as opposed to settle for good. I, I, I hear you. In this year, they, they might be a little bit more patient. Now, now next year, if the expectations are as high and Lance does well and gives them those signs and it's up and down, then they're like, all right, now take it to the next level. You had your one full year of starting, get that under your, your system. It's now year three of your five-year contract. Go ahead and win us a Super Bowl. And if you stink, then you're going to hear about it. But I, I think this year they are more likely to give him not necessarily the benefit of the doubt, but I think they're willing to kind of pass off judgment initially because they know how good he can be. Yeah, I hear you. I just think that – and by the way, like I'm not a Garoppolo guy, but one thing I always push back on people, and they're like, well, there's a ceiling on him. They were seven minutes from winning a Super Bowl. Like, they were – he was good enough to get him to a – now, I understand he was not the driving force of that team. But he was there, and they also had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of the NFC title game last year. Mm-hmm. Like, you could sit there and blame – and I'm not saying you, but like in general, people can blame Garoppolo all they want. Their defense crapped the bed in both those games in those spots. Like, in sure. both those games – they had 10-point leads and completely crapped themselves as the game went on. Now, now that being said, no one's arguing that there's not a lot more of an upside with the idea of Trey Lance than there is a Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, no one's arguing that. That would be insane. My point is I do think there will be pressure on him this year because teams are, because fans are going to look at this team and go, we, we can win a Super Bowl. 
And if we don't compete for that, he's likely the reason. Now, does that mean that there's going to be like a revolt in the fan base? No, I think they all understand that he's their best shot going forward. I still also think like, – I know I remember watching Mahomes his first That's year. where I was going to bring this back to because okay. I, I think there's a lot of similarities in Smith to Mahomes. Very good team. Garoppolo to, to yeah. Trey Lance. Yep. Good coach. Garoppolo yeah. to Lance. Smith Expectations, to yeah. I will say this. As that year – early on with – now, look, part of this also is Mahomes was just – unbelievable the second he started playing and so there was never really a moment of like real pressure on him early in the year because they were winning every game they were playing he was throwing for 400 yards every week but I do think as that year wore on it was more like all right man we know like you're great you're clearly great you're the messiah you know and everybody in Kansas was thrilled to death they hadn't had a quarterback like that since Len Dawson okay but um I think there was also Joe Montana if I throw him in there for two years but I also think by the time that season got about midway to, through, three-quarters of the way through, you're like, we got a shot to win. Like, it, you got to go win. And then that pressure built. Like, I remember when they played the Colts in that playoff game that year. Now, they have a history the Niners do not, okay? But it was like, they've got to win this game. I don't care what else happens. They have to win it. Is there that pressure on Lance? Maybe not uh, because of all the history in Kansas City prior to Mahomes getting there. But I do think – let's put it this way. I think there are real expectations on the Niners that typically are not on a player that young who was drafted that high. Usually those teams suck. Jacksonville, Chicago, you know, I think probably Atlanta next year when they're drafting the quarterback, that, those types of teams. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. That's fair. I, I still kind of look at them and say, all right, Vegas looks at them a certain way. It's still the Rams is slight favorites to win that division. They're still right around 16, 18 to one to win the right. Super Bowl. And you know, Lance is sitting around 40 to one to win MVP. Like there, there are expectations, but I think a lot of it is largely based off of let's see what this guy can do because it felt like they were capped from before. And I, I, I guess my rationale on this is that they they feel like it's worth the risk, even if it doesn't necessarily have the payoff in year one. So it'll be it'll be a fascinating season. Like I I, I look at Lance, like if you're looking at it like kind of from a fantasy standpoint, like he could be top five as a fantasy quarterback because of his ability to run, because of his ability to move, right. uh, you know, be a, a dual threat quarterback and oh, have fantasy, to put a point yeah, in the top great. division. Yeah, um, but it's. It's just going to be yeah, – it'll just be a fascinating watch throughout the course of the season because if you're asking me, like, can he get there, 
with the coaches around him and the team around him, like so much of this with these young quarterbacks is all set up for success. Like if you would have put Trey Lance in, in New York with the Jets and Zach Wilson in San Francisco, maybe we're having a, a very different conversation with both of these guys at this point. Like coaching and situation matters so much here. Much more, much more than people realize. All right. Going to go into the future. Going to hit four quick ones, and we're going to go to the uh, bet side of portion of the show. All right, let's rip through these. More justified hype. The Lions or the Jags? Who you got? I'd probably go with the Lions, and I think it's because of how bad it, the, the NFC North is probably going to be. Uh, the, the, everyone's taking a step back. You know, Packers don't have anybody for, for Rodgers to throw to. He's still there. They're still likely to win the division. The Bears' win total opened up at seven and a half. It's now listed as low as five at some sports books this year. So the Lions just sort of by nature have more playmakers on their roster, ha- have improved offensive and defensive lines, um, a rootable head coach, I suppose, in Dan Campbell, who didn't get up to a, a good start with the whole biting kneecaps. He was like, all right, this guy's kind of a whack job and he's fun. But now – people bought into the fact that they played their ass off in every game and lost they a did. ton of close games they last really year. Hard. And they're, they're clearly motivated for him. Whether or not it'll translate in actual wins, I'm not sure. Jacksonville, I, I would probably buy them more so than Detroit, but if you're talking about where the justified hype is coming from, I, I think the Lions are deserving of it because they've improved their roster sizably. They've added more playmakers to the mix, and they're in a division that they should be able to take a positive step in the right direction. So I would back the Jags, but I get the more justified hype to be on Detroit. Okay, so I'll be short and sweet. I I am going with the Lions here for all the reasons you laid out. Most of all, I think the NFC stinks, and so that will help them. I also think the Lions' schedule as a whole, if you look at it just in general, is much easier. I actually like the Jags in the sense that Trevor Lawrence is a much better quarterback, I think, moving forward than Jared Goff is. I know he struggled last year. I think with a real coach, he'll be just fine. They added more than just about anything. Or, excuse me, added more than just about any team in free agency. In fact, they did add more than any team in free agency. I think they overspent quite a bit. I think the Jags are more talented in, in some ways, but I like the Lions more. I think they're, I think they're really building something in Detroit. But they got to find that quarterback. That's going to be the key. They find a quarterback, they're going to be a problem. But I do think Jacksonville is going to be a lot better than people realize. It can even maybe be interesting in that division for a bit. I think Jacksonville is probably the more talented team in the moment. I think the Lions have more staying power. And I like the Lions better this year because of where they play. They play in the NFC, Jacksonville's in the AFC. All right, second one. Who has more receiving yards this year? Washington rookie Jahar Dotson out of Penn State or Saints rookie Chris Olave out of Phillip Big Ten School, Ohio State. Yeah, I was initially thinking it would be Dotson because Washington is likely going to have a lot of those short intermediate passes, um, and Dotson's going to be their slot guy and try to take some of the pressure off of uh, Terry McLaurin. But it's it's probably Olave for a couple of reasons. The first is that that's how Vegas sees it. I was looking at their player prop numbers. Olave is projected for about 720 yards consensus, um, and – Dotson's right around 600. So that's a sizable difference, probably of about 120 average yards. So Vegas is buying much more so on Olave. And I also think like that's a dude that it kind of is a really good fit for Jameis Winston. 
if he goes back to the Winston of old where he's taking some more shots down the field, he's likely going to be a nice deep threat for them. Um, we'll see what happens with Michael Thomas. If they want to keep him in the inside, another possession type of opportunity where he moves the chains. Like Olave's just going to have, I think more big play opportunities. And I think that's going to help his receiving yards. And we know that the saints like to take some more shots downfield. So I, I'd probably go for all those reasons on Olave, even though I think Dotson could have a solid year. So we're boring because I'm also going with Olave, and it was literally for one reason, his quarterback. Like, Jameis is going to launch the ball when given the opportunity. I do not believe in Carson Wentz. Anyone who's ever listened to me or read me for five seconds knows this. Um, I Look, I'm not a huge Jameis guy either, but I'll say one thing for Jameis. He can throw the hell out of the ball. Like, he will throw the ball down the field and take his shots for better or worse. I do think if you want to make the case for Dotson, which I will quickly, it's that other than McLaurin, they don't have a weapon that I'm like, oh, that guy's going to take targets away, right? right? I mean, look, I like Logan Thomas as a tight end, and and Curtis Samuel maybe bounces back, but Dotson's probably the number two weapon in that offense. Olave, if Michael Thomas can actually bounce back, you've got him, you've got Landry, you've got Kamara. Like that's it's a lot. I mean, Kamara catches the ball as much as any back in the game, so. You know, that would be the case, right? Is that, look, Washington's just going to give Dotson a lot more uh, of a target share than is going to get. But I'm still going with Olave because I believe, A, in the Saints more as a team. B, I believe the quarterback will give him more opportunities. And C, I just think is a little bit better of a prospect, although I I like both. Uh, I think both guys have a chance to be good. All right, third one. This one, your backyard here. Roquan Smith, what is more likely? He plays for the Bears on his next NFL snap, or you take the field and he plays for any of the other 31 teams? No, he'll play for the Bears because while he might have a reasonable gripe, I, I think after he came out with that shared statement from, from Ian Rappaport, um, he, he really hasn't played this well. I, I think he he did a good job initially of, of playing to the fan base's emotions. They love Roquan Smith. It's obviously right. a a big defense linebacker city in Chicago, and he's played at an elite level. Is he a a Shaquille Leonard type of deal? That's what he wants, but uh, Leonard has 17 forced fumbles. I think Roquan Smith has one. Um, But now he's playing in the Eberflus Colts-style defense with a lot of the takeaways and uh, a lot of the forced turnovers and the hits principle and all that good stuff, and he might end up turning into that guy, but he's not there yet. And I think the problem is that he just doesn't have enough leverage to get elsewhere. And also the NFL sent out that memo to Vertoram that basically said, hey, Roquan Smith doesn't have an agent. If you're going to try to deal with him getting out of town, you have to deal with a certified NFL agent. Roquan Smith or whoever is in his party is not one of them. So the whole thing is Someone's apparently calling these teams as Roquan Smith. Right, which Which you can't do unless you're a certified NFL agent. Not allowed to do that? Right. Like, and, and that's the benefit of having an agent, among many things, is they can talk with other teams, try to get the wheels in motion for what a possible deal and extension might look like, which is what Roquan is looking for here. I still think he ends up with Chicago. I, I think Ryan Poles has actually played this pretty well from a PR standpoint. And I, I'm a big Ryan Poles fan, but this has been a tough offseason, a tough first offseason for him. And that could all change if a lot of his first round picks hit. Um, 
or first round, but I'm sorry, early early draft picks hit. Right. But I, I think Roquan still ends up in Chicago. I think they find a way to make some of the numbers work. Cliff Stein has been managing the Bears cap for a long time, and I, I think they figure a way to get it done. It's going to be messy, but ultimately I, I think they want Roquan, and Roquan still wants to be there. He just wants it on his own terms. I think he'll be there. I don't know if he's going to be there long term, but he's going to be there. If you're the Bears, why would you trade him right now? Like, he's a young pillar of the organization. You need him. Like, I, I mean, now, I'm with you. He is not Shaquille Leonard, who, by the way, there are probably a handful of people who are Darius Leonard, he changed his name. Or, or he he changed it. He'd like to be called and change his name. Correct. Um, but, yeah, he's not Fred Werner, okay? He's not, he's not that level of player. However, he is a very good player. And so, you know, if you want to start talking about should the Bears pay him, uh, yeah, the Bears should probably pay him. Now, should they pay him a record-setting amount of money? That's debatable. Um, look, you know, by the way, you want to talk about one of these uh, picks that they need to hit. Uh, that, could, that kid Brisker out of Penn State, that kid can hit. That kid hit yeah. like a truck in the preseason game about five times against Kansas City. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think his next snap will be for the Bears. Now, will he be there in 2023? I think smart money says yeah, but you know that is I think more of a question than this year. So so Brisker is looking like he's going to be a really nice pick, and this may not be fair to Ryan Poles, but I think you have to hold him accountable in the sense too. Is they took an out of the box safety, I think pick forty nine, while George Pickens was still on the board for Pittsburgh, um, right. and they also took Kyler Gordon corner again. If you're talking about positional need and value at that point in the draft, Brisker could be a really good player, but if Pickens ends up being a star, that's going to look like a terrible decision on Poles' part. It may not be fair, you know but that's kind of the nature of, of sort of where it stands. It like, will, if it turns out great, that's a miss. I, I, I disagree in this regard. You're, I know what you mean, but you know what, man? They need a lot of good players right now. Sure. Like, I don't, I, you know what? You can, you know, George. First of all, and Alec Pickens. I mean, if 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 he is as good as his his hype is right now, he's Jerry Rice. Okay, but I, I hear you. I also feel like they just need to get good players in that building. And if Brisker turns into a Pro Bowl safety, then you know what? It's a good pick. I don't, I don't care who went before him. Like that's that's how I, I I hear the argument of it. But I I do think like at this point the Bears are so bereft of talent. You just gotta get guys. Yeah. And if you get, if you draft good players, yeah, you could argue, hey, Pickens would have been a better pick, but I don't think it's a loss. If That's they, true. If they... and, for as, and for as young as Chicago is, it's pretty remarkable that the secondary is the strength of their team right now. With yeah. Jalen Johnson, um, yeah. you now have Gordon have Likely. Eddie Jackson. Uh, Eddie Jackson's still there, but he needs a, a refresh. He and does. then if Brisker ends up being the guy that they they think he is, that's that's some solid pieces in your secondary for a while. All right. so. Here's one that I thought about this morning. I think it's fun. Who throws the most passing yards this season of the AFC West quarterbacks? Who do you got? I'm I'm still going back and forth on it between Herbert and Mahomes, and I'll ultimately side with Mahomes because I'm still not really sure of what Kansas City's run situation is going to look like and because of how often – they like to use their running backs in passing situations. Like Mahomes is probably going to be throwing more often this year because he's going to be spreading the ball around a little bit more. There's not going to be as many breakaway plays downfield because Tyreek Hill is no longer there. So you have more passing opportunities. You have more abilities from running backs to catch passes out of the backfield, whether it's Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 
Um, I don't think Ronald Jones will end up being on this team. It's likely going to be, um, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, who's, by the way, if we're talking about it, more. Yeah, it was all apparently Walter Payton. It's unbelievable. Out of Rutgers is uh, is going to be the next sweetness. And listen, he's looked awesome, but I'm I'm not ready to to get there yet. But I, I would have, slow down a little bit. On that. Right, they have weapons on this team at the running back spot that are kind of better positioned to be not three yards in a cloud of dust type players, as opposed to moving them out, putting them in the slot, uh, dump off passes, checkdowns. Right. Uh, wheel route guys. Um, so I, I think Mahomes is probably just going to end up throwing a lot because it's in a division right now where you're going to have to throw a ton. I, I know you love Carr, and we'll get to him in a little bit too with your analysis and some well, fun stuff that I found. But I, I just think Mahomes, the value on Mahomes right now is eight to one. Carr is 10 to one at sports books. Like, okay. I, I think the value lies with Mahomes here. So I am very conflicted because. The football guy in me says, you take the best quarterback, and you just believe in that. And the best quarterback in that division, while it is an unbelievable division of quarterbacks, it, it is Patrick Mahomes. I don't even know that most people would argue that. Uh, in fact, I don't think unless you're a fan of one of those other teams, you'd argue that. There's a big part of me that says he is just going to spread the ball around, and you're going to see him throw for like 4,900 yards, and you're going to have five guys in that team of like 800 yards plus. Yeah. Okay. Could happen. Sky Moore looked really good in his preseason debut. You got MBS, Mitch Schuster, Hardman, Kelsey. Apparently, apparently Justin Watson now is some sort of a thing in Kansas City. I'll kind of believe that when I see it in the in the regular season. But my point is, if you're asking who I think the best quarterback is, I think it's Patrick Mahomes. Okay. And so if I had to if I had to lay down an honest to goodness paycheck on this, I would lose my nerve of the opinion here and I would take Mahomes because I'm riding with him in these games. However, logically, when I think about it, I lean a little toward Carr in one respect. I think their defense is going to suck. Okay? They cannot guard anybody if they don't get pressure immediately off the edges. They also are a team that I do not believe in their offensive line at all, which means I do not think they can run the ball worth a damn. What is it all equal? It equals Carr throwing the ball an ungodly amount of times. And I think it's going to be to Waller and to Renfro and to Adams. Now, I am worried, by the way, Waller's been hurt like all summer. That That's a real problem. That worries me. Um, yeah, they need they, they do need him because otherwise that offense is a hell of a lot less scary. But I think Carr might throw for a ton. Although, in the end, I, I you know what? I got I to gotta be honest and fair, but – I would take Mahomes based off just cars never thrown for near 5,000 yards where Mahomes does that like on an annual basis. But I, I guess my point is I think cars going to throw for a ton of yards this year based off of all those different scenarios. But yes, I think in the end, if I'm being honest with myself intellectually, I think Mahomes is probably the right answer. So, you know, fair is fair. Yeah. I, I just think with car, it makes a ton of sense, but I'm looking at it maybe from a different perspective. I'm looking at it from a, a betting value standpoint. And I think right. early on, Carr was the guy. We we had this conversation, I think, at maybe a month and a half or so ago about the AFC West quarterbacks and also some of these early NFL prop numbers that were just released. Right. You and I both love the number on Carr early on, but I mean, it's been cut in half and we'll, we'll get into why that is coming up in just a second. 
but I, I just don't look at it as a, a value play anymore. And the other thing with McDaniels too, is that like during this time in new England, they still ran the ball a lot. And I know that Brady had incredible years and Super Bowl Super Bowl years. And we, we know the, the characteristics and everything about him, but he still believes in a, in a solid running game. And so I don't think it's necessarily going to just go out the window, especially in his first year. They're going to try and, and run a little bit, especially in the first half to you know, keep their defense in some of these games. Yeah, no, I, it's fair. It, it, it's a fair thing. I, you know, it's the one thing that scares the hell out of me with the Raiders from an offensive standpoint, because I, I love the weapons. Yeah. Their, their line stinks. Their line is not good. And that is one thing people forget every year during camp and every year during the preseason because, you know, you can kind of get around it. If you don't have a good offensive line, you got big problems. And they do not have a good offensive line. By the way, in a division where the pass rushers are ridiculous. I mean, you've got Denver's guys. You've got the Chargers. Because all of a sudden the Chiefs now have, you know, Carl Loftus and Dunlap and Clark and Jones and Sot. Like, it's crazy the pass rushes in that in that division. But let's go – I'll let you steer the ship here, sir, uh, as we move into bet-sided uh, portion of the show. What, what do you got for us this week from the betting perspective? So I got maybe about a week or so ago some notes from uh, BetMGM, and they had compiled all of their different um, preseason numbers ahead of uh, the season as far as all the different prop bets for who has been bet on – the most. So let, let's start with the name that we just mentioned, right? Derek Carr. Over at BetMGM right now, Derek Carr has been the most bet on quarterback by both the public as well as the Sharps to lead the NFL in passing yards as well as passing touchdowns. Now he's moved all the way up from uh, 20 to 1 uh, in most passing yards up to 10 to 1. I believe that's now fourth or fifth uh, highest on the board. And in passing touchdowns, that number has moved up just a tad. It's gone from like maybe uh, 24 to 1 to 18 to 1. So I know you like the number for Carr in the AFC, but is that enough for you based on that number and those odds for you to buy in on where the Sharps and where the public are going by saying Derek Carr is going to be that guy and a good bet to lead the NFL both in passing yards as well as passing touchdowns? I might take the flyer on the yardage 10 to 1. I still think there's decent value there, although not nearly as, as juicy as 20 to 1. 20 to 1, I'm, all, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a decent amount on it. I'm not in at all on the touchdown passes. That, that I, I'm not in on. Um, he's never been a guy who throws for a lot of touchdown passes. And part of the reason is Carr is not somebody who guns balls in a tight windows. It's not what he does. So I, I can't go there. Now, I know with Adams, look, that changes things. But even if Carr – has Carr ever in his career thrown for 30 touchdowns in a season? I don't I don't think he has, maybe, has he? Maybe once. Maybe early once. on. Maybe it might have been in the second year where he came close. I think I it was a year he got hurt that. at the end of the season. I think he threw for like 30 or 31 touchdowns. I just have a hard time. Like, if you're going to lead the league in today's day and age, you're throwing for once. That was the second year. Yeah, you're, you're, you're throwing for 40-plus to lead the league. I, I do not think he's throwing for 40-plus touchdowns. Okay. So guys at the top of that list, Justin Herbert, uh, consensus six and a half to one, Brady eight to one, Mahomes eight to one, Burrow nine to one, David or David Carr, Derek Carr at ten to one. Hey, right, well, so I'm not Burrow. Burrow is a nine to one. 
I might take Burrow because that team, even with a better offensive line, like you really think they're playing power down inside the five-yard line? Like he's throwing the ball to Chase over and over and over and over. I, I would, I think I might take Burrow there or Mahomes, honestly, or Mahomes. I just because, again, they're not a team. Even with the Chiefs' really good offensive line, they don't play power football. Like he'll just throw the ball to Schuster on a three-yard slant. You know, yeah. I, I think that's more likely. All right, so let's go to rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. And I don't think there's any surprise of the two names that are being bet on the most. So to lead the league at BetMGM in rushing yards, Derrick Henry has gotten um, more of the betting tickets at 20.6%. Jonathan Taylor, by far and away the most money to lead the NFL in rushing yards. Both of them were opened at 600. Taylor is now four to one. As far as rushing touchdowns go, it's actually the opposite. Uh, Taylor has more of the betting tickets, but Henry has about a quarter of the money, and his odds are still at six to one. So, rushing yards versus rushing touchdowns, the public and the buy-in on Taylor for rushing yards, they buy in on Henry for rushing touchdowns. Do you agree with that assessment? I go the other way. I actually go the other way because. I think the Indianapolis offense is going to be better than Tennessee's offense. I think they're going to be down at the goal line more often. And I think when they get down there, it's going to be Jonathan Taylor because they don't have anybody outside of Pittman who you're even remotely thinking about throwing the football to. Henry, on the other hand, I'm not kidding. I really, I truly believe this. If he's healthy for the whole season, he will shatter the record for carries in the season. He was on pace for like 450 carries last year. It's also probably part of the reason why he got hurt. Yeah, man, went down with an injury. But I, but my, my point is, now you don't have A.J. Brown. Traylon Burks is not exactly inspiring confidence with his offseason. I'm looking at this going, if he's able to stay healthy, and it's a big if, I understand that. If he stays healthy, that dude's getting the ball like 450 times. I, I, they have no other offense. What are you going to do? You're going to play spread with Tannehill? You're not doing that. So I, I think you're going to see a lot, even by their standards of Henry. I, I think the only reason I might disagree is because for the same reasons that you listed about the Colts as to who they're going to throw to, at least they have a guy to throw to in Pittman. They also have a couple of different tight ends that they trust a little bit too. If you're Tennessee, I, I don't know who you're throwing the ball to. At neither all. do they. They also don't know. Right. Yeah, so I, I I think both of them are they're they're the easy they're the favorite bets and it makes sense on both sides. Um, Taylor, I probably just trust a little bit more, but again, I I usually like to fade running backs coming off of monster years. Um, so from that standpoint, Henry dealing with the injury from last year, starting to trend on the wrong side of his age. Taylor having a ton of carries as well. It makes sense based on the amount and amount of volume that they're likely to get, but I, I think both of them at those low numbers are probably a stay away for me. All right, next on the board, receiving yards um, and also receiving touchdowns. Looking at it from what BetMGM has provided, um, the most receiving yards, the betting public has gone with Justin Jefferson. He's gotten about 12% of all the different betting tickets. The biggest handle for receiving yards, CeeDee Lamb at just under 24%. He's also their biggest liability. As for receiving touchdowns, Jamar Chase has received both the most amount of bets and the most amount of money. However, 
a surprise name is actually their biggest liability. And that player is Amon Ra St. Brown of the Detroit Lions. Yep. If he hits at 50 to 1 Vertoram, bet MGM is screwed because their top liability in that market is just going to cost them a ton of money. So I bring up those names to say receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. Where do you stand on those possible plays? And do you give Amon Ra St. Brown of the Detroit Lions any chance at 50 to 1? Uh, to possibly be that guy in touchdowns this year? No. Okay. Uh, I do not. I, I mean, God bless him. Hope it works out. But you know what? Yardage-wise, give me Justin Jefferson. Give me Justin I agree with that. Offensive-minded head coach. New offense, essentially. Say whatever you want about Cousins. We talked about this like a month ago. He puts up numbers. They, they will throw for a lot of yards. So give me Justin Jefferson. As for touchdowns, I think Chase is a great answer. I just finished saying that. I think Burrow's going to lead. So I will go with Chase. I will go with Chase. But I think Burrow's – or excuse me, I think I think Jefferson – if Jefferson had like 1,700 yards this year, I'd bet I could see him doing that. Uh, so Chase currently 9-1 to one to lead the NFL in touchdowns. In receiving yards, he is 8-1 to one after opening at 9-1. to CeeDee Lamb opened the season to lead the league in NFL receiving yards at 22-1. to one. That number has since been bet all the way down to 10 to 1. So by far and away, largest amount of movement on that list. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, even with that liability, still listed at 50 to 1. All right. Final one, which I thought was fun. And again, it kind of goes back to a conversation we were having before about the the hype involved. 77% of, of uh, tickets on whether or not the Detroit Lions are going to make the playoffs or not are on yes which opened at five to one. It is now three and a half to one or plus 350. We know that the Lions are going to be interesting. The question is whether or not they'll be good. So do you buy in with both the public and the Sharps that are taking the Lions to make it to the postseason at three and a half to one odds? Oh, no, no. Come on now. I, 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 we talked about the Lions earlier, right? Like they've justified hype. We both felt that way in large part because of the conference. So, in theory, you'd be like, well, okay, so then they should be able to make the playoffs or make a run at it because conference sucks. Here's the problem. They are not better, inarguably, than the Packers, the Bucks, and the Rams. They're not better than those three teams. Okay. Does anyone really think they're better than Philadelphia or San Francisco? Like, I, I don't think you can make that argument. Like, even if you don't love those quarterbacks, you probably like them more than you like Goff, right? So, like, that's five teams. Then there's Dallas. I almost threw Dallas on the rundown because it can't stop taking penalties. But, like, Dallas is a better team than Detroit. Again, I don't know that you could even argue it. So now you got that, now you got one playoff spot left. Detroit basically would have to beat out Arizona. They, they've got to beat out Minnesota. They've got to beat out New Orleans. They've got to beat out Washington. Is it possible? Yeah. But if you're talking about that many teams, the odds are that one of those teams from the field will make it, not them. So I would say I'm out. It's not insane, but I'm out. It it feels like good value for a team that's going to be competitive. I'll say that. And it's also in a conference that is much easier to get into the postseason than in the AFC, right? Like you and I was making an argument that almost every team in the NFC is kind of had a down off season. Like 
Packers. Rams are bringing everybody back, but you know, is that magic going to be able to, to set itself up for another? Now Stafford is half an elbow. Just Stafford is half an elbow. You're going from a known commodity in Garoppolo to an unknown in Trey Lance. Maybe it makes him better. Maybe it makes him worse. We're not entirely sure. Um, Eagles, I, I suppose Eagles are better. Cowboys, meh. and then maybe some well, of the bottom. Yeah, which I I I get the value play of it, but I still think they're a year away from being a year away. The only teams that to me in the NFC you could be like that team and that matter. I mean, I'm not talking about some team that made like some modest little nothing improvement. Yeah, the only teams that are demonstrably better to me that are in the NFC are the Eagles, who I think had maybe the best offseason in football. The yeah. Eagles are better. I think Minnesota's better just literally because they changed head coaches. Now right, they're, playing, they're playing a modern game now. Yes. They've they've decided to come out of the 1970s. Um and then you could argue this. I would argue New Orleans is better. I know that they've moved from Peyton to Dennis Allen. That could kill them. We'll see. But on the field, they've added a lot of talent. So I think the same but again. But of those three teams I mentioned, are any of those teams Super Bowl contenders? No, probably not. I mean, maybe if Hurts takes a huge leap, maybe Philly. But, like, I think all those teams are probably like, yeah, they, they could get to the playoffs. And, you know, again, I'm higher on Philly than the Arizona. Like, maybe Philly could win a game. Yeah. You know, but that, that's probably it. It's a, it's a fun value play, and they'll be – like, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember what their, their win total is. I think it's at six and a half. Like – there's a reason why they've gone from five to one to three and a half to one, and it's positive for them to make the postseason. It's just the odds makers don't see it. A lot of people aren't there, but the betting public wants something to root for, and they're on hard knocks, and they're fun, and they're interesting, and I, I get behind it. But, yeah, they're not getting there this year. They're close, but it won't be this year. If they had a quarterback, I'd be really intrigued by them. Yeah. They don't have a quarterback. Right. And so, yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, every – it's the same reason, by the way, and Dolphins fans who hear this will go nuts. It's the same reason I don't believe Miami. Everybody – because, like, you always hear it's like, oh, yeah, they've got Jalen Waddle, they've got Tyreek, they've – you know, and if two is just good, it's like, yeah, but that's the problem. That's the problem, right? Like, that house looks great, but it doesn't have a foundation. I mean, oh, okay, yeah, the house looks nice, but it's going to fall over. You always hear those caveats. And whenever I hear those, people love to glaze over them, like, well, you know, they've got all this stuff, they've got McDaniel, they've got this. You know, if Tua can just be pretty good, it's like, yeah, but that's – that's why no one believes in them to win a Super Bowl, and I don't even think they make the playoffs. They don't have a quarterback. If they had a damn quarterback, we'd be talking about them going to the Super Bowl, but they don't. That's the there's problem. A, there's a lot of – maybe it's an unfair comparison, but there, there's a lot of Brandon Marshall and, and Tyreek Hill, I feel like, where I think this first year is actually going to go well for Miami, and I think it could unravel after this because of – He's been incredibly demonstrative since he's come to Miami. He's really tried to, to get a lot of statements. Um, there's just been a lot of sort of unnecessary noise coming from Miami that I don't necessarily think is warranted yet. And maybe it's a good thing, but you know, Marshall, usually in that first season, wherever he went, put up great numbers. Everybody was really happy. And then things started to unravel a little bit. Now in Kansas City, you just didn't have to worry about that because you had so many things working yeah. in the right favor. Miami with a first-year head coach, I think it might be good this year, and then I, I start to wonder how well that foundation is going to be able to hold up. Here's – I'll I'll leave it at this. I think you said it well. 
my concern with Tyreek Hill down there is if they're not good, how invested is Tyreek Hill? Yeah. Like, there's a lot. Like, this is not – look, I'm not knocking Kansas City. Okay, I love going to Kansas City. It's one of my favorite cities to visit. It's not Miami, Florida. And there's a lot to do. There's a lot going on. He just got paid an unbelievably generational amount of money. He's got a ring. Like, I'm not saying that I think he's going to start loafing. What I'm saying is if they're not good, and this is a man who his entire career, the Chiefs have ranged from good to unbelievable. Like, if they're not a good team, and he's not getting the ball the way he expects because maybe either Tua is struggling or Tua has another injury or the offense is just run heavy. How invested is he? He just opened up a store down in Aventura yesterday. Okay? He's got all this stuff. Now, maybe he can do all that and he can play great football and it's beautiful music with the Dolphins, and that's fine. And I think if they win, that will help a lot of things. But if they are not winning – look, I don't think it's a coincidence that Kansas City – you really never heard from Tyreek Hill, right? Like it was always like, yes, he's demonstrative on the field. He's a great player. But, you know, and, and of course there was there was off-field stuff coming into right. Kansas City that was was heinous and ugly. But I'm just talking about as his t- in his time as a chief, he wasn't doing podcasts, okay? He wasn't he, – he didn't have a store. He was th- – that stuff didn't happen. And in Miami, it's all happening. And you just wonder, like, if they aren't good, how long does it take before that other stuff starts to really become even more and more and more in the forefront? Yeah. I think that's a fair question of Tyreek Hill, based off of this offseason and what we've seen so far in his limited time as a Miami Dolphins. Right. Yeah. There's there's yeah. there's a lot to consider, especially moving forward. And it's it's why, it's, why it makes it so fascinating, especially if you're going to judge – and evaluate Tua off of this one year, I, I think that could be a backfire for them. Could be. I agree. All right. What do you have going on? What do you want to plug? What, uh, what What's uh, going on in the life of Ben Heisler? Yeah. So as far as plugging goes, I, I hope uh, those that have uh, hung out with us will, will come back. I'll be back hosting uh, uh, Daily Bet Slip today, 5 o'clock Eastern with Reed Wallach. Uh Plenty of stuff ahead of the NFL season that we'll get into. We'll have our best bets for Major League Baseball tonight. Um, the WNBA playoffs start tomorrow, Verderam. We had a really successful first year capping that league. So we'll go over some some plays there. So that's 5 o'clock Eastern. You can find it on BetSide's YouTube channel. Uh, so hopefully you guys will come out and check us out and have a good time with us there. Uh, as far as what's going on over here, school starting for the boys which is exciting both of them are going to be going to the same like preschool daycare spot nice. uh we got the classroom assignments yesterday that's always a a big day you find out what what animal your kid's going to be so i think there's like a a zebra and some sort of a turtle i don't really remember exactly what it is uh my oldest son wants to be a penguin for life i told him that that won't be the the situation but you can always be a penguin right here um, and now he's really seemed to, to take that to heart. And uh, actually, I, I did want to give you one futures bet that I, I got slightly invested in that I, I think you're going to like. All right. I, I know there's a lot of turnover in the NFL, but let, let me run this by you because I thought I got an absolute steal at my book for this. OK, you ready for this? Me. At Go. 11 to 1, I, I put two separate bets on, on this. At 11 to 1, I took the following teams to make the postseason. They just have to get into the postseason. Okay. The Green Bay Packers. Yep. The Philadelphia Eagles. Yep. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Yep. L.A. Rams, Baltimore Ravens, yep. Buffalo Bills, Indianapolis Colts, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Those eight teams. Whoa. And then I bet it again with the Cowboys instead of the Eagles to make the playoffs. Both of those, Verderam, I got at 11 to 1 odds. So Yeah. Well, I'm, I'll tell you right now, I have all those teams in the playoffs. So all right. I'm on board. All right. So I, I, can start, I can start spending this money now. Is what yes. Yes. I think and, the biggest risk you have is probably Indy. Only based off of – you know what? I don't even feel like that because I – See, I, I thought the biggest risk – the, the, the initial bet that I made was – The East maybe would be the biggest risk. Yeah, but but I feel I've heard my tracks by yeah, taking – Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say Indy, but I just can't get there with Tennessee. I just can't. Like I – No. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe Jacksonville really surprises it, but I, I just – I don't know. I like the bet. I like the bet. I'm, I'm, in, on, I'm in on that. I remember last year I had a buddy of mine. Bets on the league, and he asked me, "What's your favorite bet?" And my immediate answer was, "Take the Jags under." Have you seen Urban Meyer? I don't care what the number is. Bet the under, yeah. and they got shellacked by Houston in Week One last year. And he called me. He's like, "Thank you very much for the money." <laughs> <laughs> it's like he hit that under before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, it was beautiful. Oh, you probably know what BL is saying that uh, that the Bucks aren't making it. Maybe there's more lingering concerns with this line. Brady maybe decides yeah. that he's not wanting I, to. I can't, I can't do it, man. I, I think, think that's awful. Atlanta and Carolina, especially Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta's hideous. I've got. A, I think Atlanta's worst team in football. Okay. If, if, if Brady is there, I don't envision a scenario where they don't make the playoffs. They may not win the division. But even that, man, like they win the win games are winning that division. Like, yeah. I, no, I, I can't. I, I appreciate BL for being here, man. I, I do, but I, I that one, I appreciate also the boldness, but I can't mm-hmm. get there. As for me, what's going on as we wrap it here, and thank you for everyone who's listening. And, and by the way, should have said this at the top, but I'll say it now for those who are still here. Thank you for subscribing to Stacking the Box on YouTube. We went over a thousand. On Monday morning, nice. we're already awesome. almost to 1150. So wow. rolling along. Um, and as we do that, as we get more and more subscribers, we can do more stuff. If you follow the Arrowhead Attic podcast, we have almost 5,000. You will know that we do a lot of stuff with the Discord channel and we have happy hours. And if, we, if we keep growing this channel, we'll do stuff like that for here too. Uh, swag, all that stuff. Um, as far as what's going on in my life, tomorrow, my wife and I will drop Maisie off at pre K. So that will be new. I know it's not kindergarten. It's not the actual, like, to go to school. But she pretty much is going to school. It's a full day. It's it's the whole deal. We went through the orientation yesterday. Um, we were going to have her just go to a public preschool. But for a lot of reasons in Rockford, um, there's reasons you, you you basically – it's basically on, like, an income-based system. And so we had to send her to um, a, a private one. And that makes it out like I make a lot of my belief. Uh, with all due respect to Panside, who I love, uh, it's not so much the case. The point being, we had to send her to a private school. We had this orientation yesterday. One of the most intense things I've ever been a part of. Okay? <laughs> like, it was... Label everything. Bring I mean, extra... Not even that. Like, she's four years old. They've got a dress code. they got to wear the uniform. Oh. And they're like, listen, you know, the ankle socks have got to be yay high or it's going to be a problem. I'm like, what is she? Was she not godly enough for you? If the ankle sock doesn't get up over the little, body? like, what are we doing here? She's four. Yeah. Like, like, what are we doing? Um, 
there was some other stuff said during the uh, orientation that I, I won't get into on, on the pop. But I was blown away by it. Like, it was it was an impressive school. Uh, they do pre-K through eighth grade. So there's a there's a line. Okay. She'll be there but for a while. That I, and, I, and I, look, her teacher seems very, very nice. And, and the kids seem very nice and all that. I'm, I'm happy Maisie will be going there. But I was, I walked out of there just, as someone who went to public school his entire life, okay, I, in a small town, I was yeah. blown away by the seriousness of which all this was taken. If you went to my high school, okay, you were allowed in the building as long as you had pants on. And sometimes not even that. Okay. Like, you know how often some kid came out of the gym class, you know, putting on it, you know, back in the day, the old Axe body spray and everything else. And like, didn't even have a shirt on about halfway through the hallway. And then finally it was like, ah, I got English class. I guess I ought to throw on a tank top. Like, that was all the time. Like, nobody ever, I never thought about that. Like, now, like, got to worry about those ankle socks. Is this? Is this the right hue of pink for her polo shirt, or is it magenta? Because magenta is not allowed, but pink is. Allowed. What are we doing? Let the kids enjoy their lives. For the love of God, they are four years old in pre-K. I, I was. I don't know if you went to public, private, whatever. I, ben, I was. I was shattered by this. I couldn't. I, I, I went to public school. Um, I'm trying to remember, like from a preschool experience. I'm. I maybe it was like it wasn't like a private school but it was like one of those preschool programs they had to pay for like my kids go to the j over over in 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 kansas city so like it's tech i guess technically that's a private school but like it's a fairly big like preschool program right but like there's no dress code like there's it's just kind of like you go and it's like a fun program and you can't wait for them to be done in a handful of years so that you can send them to public school and not have to pay whatever you're paying each month to, to send your kids to, to pre-K. Also, it's, it's not, it's nothing like that. It's, it's, it's a good program, but man, like the dress code stuff and the ankle socks and the, the specific type of color, that's, that's way too much. Kid is four. Now, and, I, and by the way, I, I will pre-warn everybody. If you don't like language, you probably turn this off because I'm probably gonna, I'm probably going to go a step far here, but here's the thing that really gets me. Okay. For lunch. Obviously, you can pack a lunch. You can bring a lunch, which we'll be doing. If you'd like to have a hot lunch there, which, like, one of the days the lunch is a hot dog, it's $5 for a fucking hot dog. Like, <laughs> what, what are we? At the stadium? We at the Bronx now? Like, five fucking bucks for a hot dog? So, in theory, if you had a hot dog, okay, you had a pack of hot dogs. I don't know what is a pack of eight hot dogs. Four dollars, okay. Pack of eight yeah. hot dogs. This damn school is making thirty six bucks on a pack of hot dogs. We're paying, I won't say how much, but X amount to go to this school that, frankly, we're basically being forced to go to because apparently I make like a nickel more than we're allowed to to send to the, the, the public pre K. Or just a joke. I cannot believe it's even public and private pre K. But they're trying to soak me. For for freaking five dollars for a hot dog, I over my dead body will I ever pay five dollars for a hot dog? And then on top of that, they say, "Oh, by the way, milk is separate. It's a separate cost. If you like milk, you got to buy that. Oh yeah, high school. This is you got to buy that for the year. It's seventy bucks. 
I'll sit there with a gallon of fucking milk before I pay 70 bucks. She's four. What is she going to do over the course of the whole year? Drink five gallons of milk? They're soaking me from milk? It's unbelievable. Like, I was, I almost got into, just into a space where I had to walk out of there. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So a hot dog is five bucks. Milk is 70 bucks for the year. 70 And God knows how many kids are in this school. I think it's like 300 or so, 400, like all told. My God. And then, you know, they're talking about how they built a wing on this place because they got $8 million a couple of years ago. I'm thinking to myself, like, you're, yeah, paying, you're making me pay for milk. It's the Oscar. It's the Oscar Mayer wing. It's, like, yes, it's sponsored by Crowley and Oscar Mayer. I mean, this is unbelievable. So that's how I feel as I drop her off at school tomorrow. And if the school asks me for one cent, I swear to God, I'll put her back in the car. We're driving out of there. Like, it's unbelievable. All the money we're paying for this. You boys can't flow to milk? It's it's unbelievable. Like, it is just the peak of, hey, we've got you by the balls, and now we're going to just do everything possible to squeeze another cent out of you. So, as some have pointed out in here, yes, I absolutely – I'm going to be packing her lunch every day. Okay. And also, I Lucas says, sell them for $2 a piece. I should. I should show up with a hot dog truck outside the dance floor. Hey, kids. Two bucks. bucks. We're going to undercut these boys at the door. Okay. And I'm still making 100% profit off the damn things. It is unbelievable. I mean, I'd hate to see if they ever had like some kind of a real lunch. Like, if they had, like, a chicken thing. My God, I'd be paying a second mortgage for it. Unbelievable. Disgraceful situation. I Listen, I, I know that we went through a lot of interesting and insightful NFL talk and analysis today on the show in the, the 75 minutes or so that we've been on together. No. I, I hope that whoever tuned into the program for the last five minutes, like, th- this would be – like, this is, this is what I would put – out to the world about this show. Like, this is how I would sell the show. I, we might have to clip was, it. We might have to clip was, it and put it out there. Yeah. This, this is what the people need. I'm with you. Hey, listen, we want to clip that and put it out. That's fine. I didn't, yeah. name, the, I didn't name the school, so I don't feel too bad about right. it. Right. Or just, you know, if, 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 you know, Hunter and the rest of the staff are cool with it, maybe the, the tagline for this episode is $5 for a fucking hot dog. And then. It's unbelievable. Blow up. Like, if you paid $5 for a hot dog at, at, at like, Wrigley Field, you'd be like, okay, it's Wrigley Field. I get it. I'm overpaying, but fine. For a freaking hot dog at the school, I, I just – I couldn't get over that. I was floored. I, at first, I thought they meant $5 for, like, the whole week. Like, that's what you're going to pay for lunch. Right. Like, All right, fair enough. And then they're like, no, no, no. That's just, like, Thursday. I was like, I'm sorry, what now? Like, <laughs> I literally, I've thought about this, but I think my wife would actually file for divorce. I thought about sending Maisie to school with an eight pack of hot dogs every single day and just being like, I don't care. Hand them out. I, I doesn't matter. Eat them all. Do whatever the hell you want with them. I want that school to know I paid eight. I paid less for eight hot dogs and for your one. I am, I am vehemently opposed to Look, I digress. We can't go any further. But yes, what is happening is a travesty. And if you're out there and you're hearing this, and you're thinking to myself, yeah, you know, my, you know, we're getting screwed too. Pack a lunch, tell these schools to jam it. That is insane. That is insane. I don't care. I, if I ever make a, a, a million dollars a year, which Lord knows unless I win the lottery, that ain't happening. 
I would still not pay $5 for that hot dog just out of principle. A disgrace. Right, we've, we've had enough. That's how the show I, I, I mean, I, I can't top that. It's 100% true, and schools know it, and someone finally had the balls to stand up to them. So how much are they done. laughing as they're like they're writing this down on the on the slideshow? They're showing all the parents. They're like, they're like in a board meeting. It's like, all right, what is, what, these dumb sons of bitches are going to pay five bucks. Like, you know, they were all like, do you think? Like, and you know, at some point the conversation was had like, could we get six out of them? Like, nah, five's a nice, nice, like even crisp. You know, it's a, it's a dollar bill denomination. Like, we're good. We're I'll, good. I'll, I'll end it on this because this reminds me of, of, a, of a great Jim Gaffigan line from years ago, where he's talking about like the marketing meeting for for bottled water. He's like, you think there's like a marketing meeting in France where some guys at the top of a board meeting and smoking a cigarette? He goes, this, "How dumb do I think the Americans are? I bet we could sell these idiots water." Pierre, the, the Americans are dumb, but they're they're not gonna pay for water. <laughs> oh yes, they will. <laughs> we'll just tell them that the water was bottled in France. <laughs> it's so true. So true. It's so true. It's like I could just turn on the sink. Uh, but why do that when I can buy a 24 pack from Poland Spring for now adjusted for inflation for $97? Um, which by the way, that's the last thing, the school. My God, have you not seen what it costs to buy groceries? I bought a thing of peanut butter the other day. They basically had to like, they, they held me up and, and patted down my pockets. Like you got 28 bucks? Cause that's what Skippy costs now. And now I got to go to the school, $5 for a hot dog. I mean, when they, when they collect that money, do they put on like a little mask and, and put like the, you know, the, the fake handgun underneath the, the shirt, right? Is it a holdup? Do they, do they apologize when they take the money? I, they we will never know because they will never get it. All right. We've gone way too far. This is insane. Um, I appreciate everybody out there for listening to the, to the show, especially those of you who stuck around for the end. My God. I, hopefully it was seen as a reward, not a punishment. Um, <laughs> next week, Carm decides to show back up. Good for him. Selfish. Some of us are are actually working. Of course, you know. I, are you are you still waiting for your payoff from the uh, NBA Finals bet from Carm? Because I am. I am. All right. We'll we'll get on him next week. Son of a bitch! I didn't think about that. Yeah, we'll we'll get him when he comes back. Yes, because I am. And, and by the way, we're doing this wrong if we don't get like a steakhouse meal out of this. Okay. The we longer have, it goes, the more expensive the meal becomes. Yes. There's, there's, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to have to buy I, us I a franchise if it's not paid out by the end of the NFL season. I'm I'm Italian. I understand what compound interest means. Okay. I get it. Like Carmo's compound interest. Um, that being said, thank you. Sean, Sean says I should make him pay for my daughter's hot dog. That's the, uh, you know what? I, I, will have to start selling I will sacrifice my meal for, for Carmo to do that. That's great. <laughs> I want Carmo to have to walk into the school and say, listen, I'm here to pay for, no, you know what? I'll do you one better. Carmo's going to pay for a year's worth of milk. Carm's paying 70 bucks for milk for the whole year, and I'm going to make sure the school knows that Mark Carmen paid for it. Um, all right. Thank you so much for listening to Football and Otherwise here today. Heist, a special thanks to you, man, for filling in for Carm while he's out doing God knows what. Okay. He's back next week. We'll, we'll jump him live on the podcast. We'll make him pay for Maisie's uh, milk supply here, and then, and then you can get whatever the hell you want out of him. And we're, we're coming back. We got a couple weeks till the season. We're almost there. We got preseason football now, stuff going on. 
So thank you so much, everybody, for listening, for subscribing on YouTube, for subscribing just on the audio version, anywhere you may do so. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. We will be back again on Stack in the Box, this time on Tuesday next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.